You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. So there are three Old Testament offices, appointed and anointed offices, and one of them is the office of prophet. And two weeks ago, uh, Lucas started us off. Um, I encourage you strongly to go and listen to that message. But two weeks ago, we learned that Jesus is the anointed prophet, the Messiah, the ultimate prophet, if you may. But he's not just a prophet, a person that speaks the words of God, a person chosen by God to convey his message or his words, uh, because that's what a prophet does. But Jesus is the word of God incarnate. So Jesus fulfills the office of the prophet in a, in a major way. And the second office of the Old Testament is that of a priest. And last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus also bears the title of the high and heavenly and great high priest of God. Just as there were Old Testament priests and who prayed for the people, who um, offered sacrifices and who served in the places of worship, the temple and the tabernacle, Jesus fulfills the office of the priesthood and is now our priest. And we, uh, just a, a couple of things from last week, he uh, atoned for our sins. That was his work or one of the things that he did, which is just major and, and is now interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. And today, a much shorter message, uh, we're going to talk about the third office, which is king, the anointed king of the universe. Uh, I do have to apologize. Um, I kind of switched being in Hebrews, and I said at the beginning, we're going to be in Hebrews, and my apologies, Lucas, for that, and we can tell you. But we're going to be in Matthew today, and that's because I had to really shorten the message, so we're going to be in Matthew. Anyways, the reality of Jesus, the prophet, priest, and, and king points to the fact that we have a much more superior savior, a savior for all seasons, and that should make our hearts explode with great joy, hence the title of our series, Great Joy, a Savior for All Seasons. Now, the passage we'll be in today is from Matthew, so would you please open your Bibles with me, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Would you stand with me? Just read it again. Read three verses again, and and, um, then we're going to pray, and um, we'll see what God has for us this morning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Did you hear that? He was troubled. And then it says, in all Jerusalem with him. Amen. Let me me just pray for our hearts. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful news that a king has come. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. He has come to save us. He has come in our brokenness and in our mess to make all things right. Thank you for that amazing news. Father, we'll be honest, we're weary of our brokenness, our sin, our shortcomings. We're weary, Lord God, from living apart from you. 
But I ask that this morning, Lord God, this amazing news that, that you, Jesus, came and dwelt among us, Lord God, that, that you would remind us and refresh us, Lord God, with this amazing news again. And that you would bring uh, joy in our hearts, fill our hearts with exceeding joy, that, Lord Jesus, we may again believe, that we may again have hope. I pray this for every heart, not only for the hearts and the people that are here, but all those that are at home, sick. And I pray, Lord God, at the same time that you would bring healing to people's bodies, to everyone at Summit, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever received a gift, an ordinary gift that you were super excited about? I think we do this quite a lot. I mean, even a, a few days ago, we were going through some sickness at home, and, and this is kind of the third cycle that our kids and all of us have been sick. It started Sunday night, and it was actually me, and then I gave it to the kids. And, and so when the kids got sick, we're like, okay, babe, we got to brace ourselves. We're not going to sleep tonight or for the next few nights. So we went on our knees and we're like, Lord, please. <laughs> okay. We know, we anticipate how this is going to go down. So would you please just tonight, just give us just a good night's rest. Just please. I, I, all the odds are against us because when this happens, every time you get no sleep. So we knew that all the odds are against us, but Lord, you can make a miracle happen. And that Tuesday night we got, I got the most sleep that I've ever gotten in the last two years. I've never slept that well in like two years. I kid you not. And even last week, we left for two days to be away to, without the kids. And no, didn't compare. <laughs> it was eight o'clock to eight o'clock, 12 hours, just boom. I, and they obviously woke up. They were sick, but I don't know what happened during that period of time. It was just absolutely amazing. So it was an ordinary thing, but we were so excited about that. Like, this is a miracle. This for us is, wow, this is so, thank you, Jesus. But we kind of do this. We get excited about, you know, maybe a sweater that we get at Christmas or cooking stuff or, you know, just ordinary things. Receiving an ordinary gift with such excitement, but... When the news of the king of kings hits the street or hits our ears or, or comes around and, and the world kind of hears of it, we are troubled. I mean, the most amazing gift came to earth, came to the people of Israel, came to the humankind. The king of kings came to us to save us. And our reaction is we're troubled. I mean, we get excited again about receiving sweaters and, and that's fine. But there's absolutely no excitement or very little excitement when it comes to the King of Kings entering our world to save us. Why is that? Receiving an ordinary gift with such excitement and receiving an extraordinary gift with such indifference sometimes. What a broken people we are. What a broken world. The sad thing was that the Old Testament prepared Israel to expect the coming of the King of Kings who would reign forever. I mean, so many prophecies that pointed to the King of Kings that, that was to come. They knew a King is coming. I mean, Nathan prophesied in, in, Sam, in 2 Samuel 7, 16 from, that from David's lineage, a throne shall be established forever. And over and over again, 
Scripture foretold of a future ruler who would set all things right. I mean, and Israel was to, to look expectantly toward the empty throne of David, waiting for the appearance of David's son. Actually, even better than that, David's Lord. Just, just hear, this, hear this verse out, Mark 12, 36. And the Bible says, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. They waited for a human king. But much, much more than that, they, they, it was a king from the lineage of Melchizedek. If you're with us last week, if you weren't, please listen to that message. You'll know what we mean by the lineage of Melchizedek. So much more superior than all the other kings. One who would not fail like, like former kings had. A king who would reign over, you know, forever in righteousness over all the nations. And again, that, that a king who would set things right. I can I ask you a question? What did heaven have to say about this spectacle of the Son of God entering, coming into our world? What did all the creatures in heaven, especially the angels, think about the spectacle? I'm sure if you're like me, I don't know if you're like me, but do you wonder what the angels thought of the way the earth and the humankind and received this long-awaited king? Have you thought about that? I can only imagine as they looked, as they stared, as they examined and peeked over the edge of heaven. I mean, first of all, what, what... What did they think of this stunning and marvelous fact and at the same time shocking fact that the Son of God, whom they have worshipped for millions of years before creation, becoming flesh and dwelling among, among men? What did they think about that? The way, the way we receive Him. It's a very interesting verse, 1 Peter 1, 2. Let me, let me just share it with you. It was revealed to them, to the angels, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Just for a second, think about it. The holy, 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 the angels and all the creatures in heaven lived to adore for millions of years before creation was heading to earth to put on skin and bones and to live among them. And I'm sure they heard Gabriel, Mr. Williams just read the passage. I'm sure they heard Gabriel announce to Mary that the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David upon which the son would never set. You see this in Luke chapter one, right? And if we continue the reading in, in Luke chapter two, the Bible says that news of this, the coming of the king of kings would be great joy for all the people. So would you please imagine with me the armies of heaven, the millions of angels, especially the millions of other beautiful creatures that are in heaven, imagine them fixing their eyes, fixing their gaze intently on the dark world below, our world. And for sure, anticipating nothing less than monumental, colossal, and enormous cheerfulness and joyfulness and excitement, right? in a celebration that would erupt and explode from the hearts of all human beings, especially from the people of Israel, 
especially from their leaders, a celebration and excitement you've never seen before at the king's arrival, right? No, not at all. So let me ask you then, what did they actually see in the early chapters of their Savior's earthly advent? Well, the shocking part is that when the Gentile wise men, the Magi, came and inquired about the baby, we see this in the passage we just read in the three verses, verse three. And the Bible says, Here the king heard this and he was, what? He was troubled. And then, and all Jerusalem with him. How stunning. How sad. How shockingly disappointing. How earth, how us. The sad thing is that after 14 generations from Abraham to David, and then another 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, they had a lot, a lot of time to read all the prophecies and get excited about the king, you know, that is to come, that will, would set all things right. And then still 14 more generations from the exile to the Messiah's birth. Lots of time to get excited. Lots of time to pray. Lord, we're waiting. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Son of David, arrived to this Do you know what we have here? The most disappointing scene in the entire history of our universe. It's exactly like the, like the Carol's lyrics say, long lay the world in sin and error because sin has a way of blinding us. Sin has a way of darkening our hearts and eyes. Sin has a way of, of isolating us and Long lay the world in sin and error, yes, but not so much pining, not so much yearning, not so much longing and craving. In the next few minutes, I want us to look at four different reactions of different groups of people that we can observe in this Matthew 2 passage. Four different reactions to the arrival of the Messiah, the King of Kings. Now, do you think anything has changed today? No? We see the same reactions today. That's why I want to talk about it. These are reactions to King Jesus that can still be seen today as we await his second arrival. And the first reaction that we see is of a threatened king. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Verse 3. Let me ask you this. Was he not the king of the Jews? Appointed so by Rome? Well, that's exactly the problem. His throne and scepter were in jeopardy. And what this threatened king did, or should I say crazy king, he sought to destroy the child and did so serving as an agent of the devil himself. Even Revelation has something to say about this. Revelation 12, 13 says, when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Satan tried to make sure that the throne of David remained empty by slaughtering all the male children under two years old in Bethlehem. And he used a king who was threatened, a king who, who, who loved power and, and, and who loved being in control. Are we like that? Am I like that? Do I want to be in control? If that's the case, is he my king then? Only one king can be in control, Jesus or me. 
The reality is that in Herod, we see the power-hungry and political pawns and instruments who will not relinquish power willingly to Christ. Do you know who all falls into this category? We also see ourselves prior to receiving Christ in our life, all of us. With less visibility, less casualties, we hated when our thrones were threatened, and we still do. Do you know who else falls in this category? Billions of people who wouldn't surrender to Jesus. As their rightful king, but they will once, they will. You either fully surrender to King Jesus now and bow willingly now, or you will do it forcefully with the rest of the world at his second coming. But he wants us to do it now willingly. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? He came to save you and me and to give us life and life abundant. Why wouldn't we surrender to the king of kings? He is the only righteous king that will rule over his people with perfect justice and righteousness. He will make all things right. Why wouldn't you? We just looked at this last week, but he is inviting us to his throne, not of judgment, but of grace. He says, draw near in time of need, and I will give you mercy and grace. Why wouldn't we? The second reaction that we see is the troubled masses. Not only a troubled king, but troubled masses. Let's read again verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. The people for whom Christ came to bring eternal peace and salvation and prosperity were troubled by his arrival. How ironic, isn't it? How ironic. In John 1, 11, the Bible says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. What in the world is wrong with the world? What in the world is wrong with me? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Why was Israel troubled? They sang great Psalms of David all the time foretelling the Messiah's reign to come, especially Psalm 2 and 110, they would always sing these psalms. Why were they troubled at his advent, at his coming now? We can definitely give it a good guess, shall we? And something tells me it's an accurate one. (laughs) Christ found the people of Jerusalem troubled and, and disturbed at the news of his arrival because they were in love with the world. Maybe not in the way that we think of it, or at least a part of them. I mean, Jesus didn't open his mouth yet to irritate them enough so that they would make them grab for stones so that they would, you know, stone them to death. Not there yet. They simply were comfortable with the way things were going. They were content with the way their lives were going. I mean, why shake things up? Why? I mean, sure, sin tore a path of destruction in our life, but that's fine. We're used to it because we're slaves to it. They were cozy in a fallen world. They wanted to live their lives, be good people, show up to the synagogue on holidays. The reality is that they did not need a king for that. I wonder if we're any different. What a... I was really thinking about this this week. What a bleak, what a miserable and depressing picture of the human heart. 
And again, church, I'm talking about in general, the world in general. But if the shoe fits, where? What a bleak picture of the human heart. That apart from being pursued by God's grace on a daily basis, that apart from being born of God through his grace alone, we would never choose to be saved. And instead of crying out, as we have it in Matthew 21, Hosanna to the son of David, to the king of kings, we would have been among the crowd shouting in Luke 23, crucify, crucify him. That's what we are shouting if he's not king over our life. Because let me tell you, he's either king over all of our life or he's not king at all. His kingdom is not a democracy. You don't vote for him. He just is. He's the great I am. He has been king from eternity before creation to eternity after creation. And he doesn't need your vote because he's the alpha and the omega. He is the creator of life, the sustainer of life, and needs absolutely no one. And he doesn't need to go outside of himself for anything because he's everything. He is the sovereign God of the universe. The third reaction that we see is the reaction from the apathetic leaders. So a troubled king, a threatened king, troubled masses. And the third reaction is of some apathetic leaders. This group, I think, might be the most perplexing, the most baffling, the most disturbing. The Magi went to the spiritual leaders of Israel for the location of the child. I think it was a task they handled well. They unraveled their scrolls. Check this out. They unraveled their scrolls to, I believe, Micah 5.2, where we can hear them read the seven centuries old prophecy. And we have this in Matthew 2.6, just a few verses down. Let me just read it. This is what they read to them. You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You know what the crazy thing is? After reading that, they went along with their day. Yeah. They carried on with business as usual. They did not leave with the Magi to worship Jesus, the long-awaited king. They did not. They told the pagan priests where to find their Messiah, their Christ, their king, and then went back to their study of the very scriptures that promised that. How? We can probably say like this. They had no room in the ends of their religious systems. They had no room in the ends of their hearts. The magicians, though, came from distant lands because they saw God's writing in the stars and they were so excited and filled with joy, exceeding joy, it says. But the leaders of Israel would not be bothered to travel six miles down the road when staring at the prophecies in Scripture. Their apathy would show its true colors 30 years later when Pilate contested their request to crucify Jesus, the long-awaited king. Shall I crucify your king? Ah, the chief priest said, we have no king but Caesar. How sad. Is it, is it the worries of this life that make us have no room in our hearts for the long-awaited king? I've caught myself with this one. 
I'm so troubled in here and in here that I, 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 I'm off kilter. I, I, who's king here? What's going on? What are the promises? What, what am I going? Too much on your mind, too much on my mind, too, too anxious, too stressed, too fearful that we don't see him for who he is? Is it maybe the lie that we've been believing that somehow we don't need anything because we've got everything here in America? That's kind of shaky now, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's true anymore. Or maybe we're blinded by our desire for other things. For a better earthly life, maybe. Healthy kids, bigger bank accounts. Maybe we desire these things more than the long-awaited king. I love this verse from Mark 4:19, And it says... But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Oh, that verse has been speaking to me the whole year. The fourth group that reacted in our passage, and I've said all that to say this, <laughs> this, is, this is, I love this group, are the traveling worshipers. Are you a worshiper? Am I a worshiper? May we all be worshipers of this King of Kings. Verse two on our passage says, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to what? To worship him. When the wise men saw the star, they did what all awakened by God do. They did what all saved by God do. They rejoiced exceedingly. They rejoiced exceedingly. They went to Christ, fell down, and worshiped him. He was a king to be worshiped. He is a king to be worshiped. A king worthy of their treasures because he was their treasure. They saw what all the other groups could not. A king born without a crown, a a throne standing as tall as a manger. A house, they were at the house, not the manger. Anyways, We'll go with it. They saw who had come, the king of kings. Do you know what's interesting? That towards the end of every gospel, Jesus is asked, are you the king of the Jews? And in every case, he replies, you have said so. Leading up to that, we see all kinds of people worshiping and bowing to Jesus and entering his kingdom. I love this. We see blind people entering his kingdom. We see hopeless criminals entering his kingdom. No name fishermen, the sinful, the shamed, the paralyzed, the social lepers, the women of ill repute, the demon oppressed, the misfit, the out of place, the unlikely. All of these people had one thing in common. They all came to worship Jesus, the king of kings. How awesome is that? If this is what brings us together. While the comfortable, the well-to-do, the religious, but apathetic stayed away. The sick and sinners who went to him, they knew they must go to Jesus. And just like every other person who bowed down and received Jesus as their Lord, they asked, where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to go? They knew that they were the problem. They knew that they were utterly broken. And at the same time, they knew that Jesus is the only solution. And what a solution. Wow. The King of Kings came to save us. King Jesus was and is the joy 
of all of those weary and tired and exhausted of their sin and shortcomings. If that's you this morning, oh boy, this is an awesome, awesome good news. King Jesus was and is the joy of all those weary of this fallen world. You feel like, like Lord, just take me off this planet already. Weary of being apart from him. Jesus, the king, we could never imagine. Jesus, the king worthy of all of our worship came and he is here. And that's the good news. But now the question is, how are you going to react to this magnificent news and reality that he's here? My suggestion is, come, let us adore him. That's my suggestion. Because your brokenness and my brokenness is bigger than you think. But, but, hold on. He is much more of a king than you can ever imagine. Let me say that again. My brokenness is way bigger than I think. But he is much more of a king that can save and put together that you can ever imagine. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.